Welcome back to the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast. The Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast is your podcast source for news and discussion of the meetings and events industry. Each week, we bring you stories of new technologies, new ideas, and new directions that will directly affect all of us in the meetings and events industry. I'm your host, John Trask. I'm a CMP, a CMM, and I'm a 30-year veteran of both the audiovisual and meetings and events industry. And welcome back to the podcast. Uh, this is the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast. We're doing a, a CMP Conclave edition of the podcast again today. And we have uh, Jim Clark, who's going to be our guest. Uh, Jim is with ASAE and uh, does a lot of uh, lobbying and, and legislative uh, information and knowledge. So first, welcome to the podcast, Jim. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. It's a to be here. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. I know um, that you're very busy there, and, and certainly this is a very busy political year for everyone. So there's probably a lot of uh, a lot of work to be done and a lot of conversations, and uh, we'll dig into those a bit in a minute. But I wanted to just maybe find out a little bit more about your background and your history in the industry and uh, uh, just let you introduce yourself that way. Sure. Uh, I started... Uh my initial efforts were uh, working on uh, Capitol Hill for a congressman from Pennsylvania, uh, where I worked for 18 years, and I came to ASAE in 1997. So it's almost been 20 years now but, uh, that I've worked uh, in uh, uh, running our government relations operation, uh, public policy at, uh, at ASAE. Uh, I have a great staff. Uh, this is a great uh, organization, and uh, I'm real pleased to be a part of it. Terrific. Well, that's uh, boy. That's a lot of time in Washington and a lot of a lot of work and uh, and uh, things on behalf of the industry. So uh, thank you for uh, for nearly twenty years of uh, devoting yourself to that. It's appreciated. I started when I was sixteen. <laughs> that's that's yes. probably about the time I I must have started in the business. <laughs> Um, so there are a couple of huge topics, and, and some of these I hadn't actually heard a, a lot of discussion about, and so I was really quite surprised when I found out about your session and some of the things that we'd be talking about. And so we've got maybe three big ones to discuss, and these are all things that you're going to be updating uh, planners and, and attendees, suppliers on uh, at the CMP Conclave where you're doing your session, but um, it would be nice to give a little bit of a preview on each one of them today. And I thought we'd start first with some proposed overtime rules that are supposed to go into effect on December 1st. Can you give us a little bit of an overview of how that rule applies to our industry and its possible effects for associations, nonprofits, and people like that? I think the most important thing about the overtime rule is it's going to impact every employee and employer in the in the country. So it's uh, it's not uh, it doesn't just impact our uh, industries. It uh, it really will impact uh, the whole workforce as a whole. Uh, the administration in, in indicates that they think there are it's going to impact four to five million uh, uh, employees. I think it's even going to impact more. I think that the more that I talk to people about it and so forth, I think it's going to have a have a real uh, big time of impact on the on the workforce. Uh, it basically started the the, the history of the overtime rule is that there's been uh, it was last changed in 2004. You know, the threshold, the salary threshold, went up to 23,660 in 2004. Uh, the administration's first proposal on this. Uh, took it up to 50,440, almost 112% hike 
uh, since 2004. Again, I want to make it uh, certain that we're not uh, ASAE, and I think a lot of the coalition uh, members that are a part of our coalition are not opposed to having the uh, overtime uh, uh, threshold raised. It's just the it's the, the, the immensity of it. Uh, 112 percent was a was a big number. Uh, fortunately, through some efforts, it went down to 47 476. But that's still a, a bigger than a hundred percent hike, and uh, uh, so that's been our concern. And not a big concern. Yeah, I'm sorry, John. I was just going to ask what this rule actually means is that a person who makes that amount or below that amount is automatically going to get overtime for hours they work? It would be, yeah, it would be basically your classifications are based on whether you're, you're an exempt employee or a non-exempt. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, basically this change that this rule made uh, will basically deal with the, uh, the salary threshold and whether you will be, uh, if you make, uh, less than forty-seven thousand four seventy-six, you're going to be non-exempt, and thus, in other ways, uh, if you're over forty-seven four seventy-six, uh, you'll be exempt and uh, uh, and and thus not uh, eligible for overtime. So that's the real issue. Is uh, mm-hmm. and the concern is is that uh, uh, with with that type of change, you're going to have folks that were uh, exempt. Uh, becoming non-exempt, and that's really one of the big issues. So it's it's kind of keeping salaries uh, predictable and under control for organizations and nonprofits and and people like that in particular, when they would suddenly have maybe a large chunk of their staff reclassified. And that's that's right. And as we know that uh, uh, often with the you know whether you have a. Uh, you have your annual meeting or things like that happening. Some of those changes, you're you're just not going to. Uh, various professional societies have very big peak periods uh, where you sort of have all hands on deck. So I think that's one of the the real concerns that we have, and the, and one of the bigger concerns is the fact that uh, uh, even unlike how the federal government uh, uh, deals with uh, their their wages of uh, federal workers uh, based on localities, this is one size fits all. This is going to impact everybody in the country the same. So whether you're in a a large city like uh, Washington or Chicago, uh, or your, you know, your work, your workforce is in Nashville or, or some other uh, locale, it's going to impact every sector uh, of the country uh, uh, the same. And that's one of the real problems that we've had with the, with the, with the rule. So are they hoping to maybe, uh, I know I know that you mentioned in the materials that there's a possible bill to delay the implementation of the rule to make changes to it. Would that be maybe putting some kind of index to it for the area would, uh, that they're in? It's, it's sort of a, it's, we're, we're getting down to the, uh, we're getting down to the wire. Uh, as, as you can tell, December 1st by itself is not very, uh, Far away, but uh, in a in a political year like this, a campaign year, uh, Congress has been out for seven weeks. It comes back uh, next uh, month, uh, next Tuesday, uh, for sort of maybe uh, a short uh, three week session, maybe uh, maybe four weeks, uh, and then it's off to the it's off to the campaigns again. So the the time is short here. Uh, so we're hopeful that. Uh, 
the, the legislation that we're looking at now is a is was introduced by among others Congressman Schrader from Oregon, uh, a, a Democrat. So I, I, what we're what we're hopeful is that uh, is that uh, you know sort of a bipartisan effort will lead to a uh, to a chance to to make a change, and that change would be to to uh, uh, stretch out the, uh, the the threshold uh, until uh, instead of just doing it on uh, everything hits on December first, that it would be uh, it would be staged in three years uh, that 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 number would come into play uh, at the end of the third year, and the other change would be for that Congressman Schrader makes would be to to eliminate the the cost of living increase uh, right now that the, the 47,476 number includes a, uh, a yearly uh, uh, a cost of a, a living uh, sort of adjustment and, uh, and that would be a, that would be a concern again I think from the standpoint of uh, nonprofits and, uh, and associations is that the is that the uh, you know the funds are limited uh, right. Uh, the, the the money tree in the backyard only goes so far, so that uh, that would be a, a real concern. That uh, you you know you just can't create uh, uh, budgets around that. So even even small scale uh, changes have a, a real impact. Uh, I, and I think the biggest thing uh, that we've uh, heard, uh, I just got back from our annual meeting a, a few weeks ago, and and people are still talking about the, the sense of when they started, they understood that. Uh, they wanted to learn as much as they could. They wanted to be a part of that of that group that uh, uh, that got the opportunity to go to meetings and so forth. And uh, and and uh, uh, becoming non-exempt is going to limit that uh, uh, dramatically. Uh, we really think it's like sort of going back to the workforce of the 1950s as opposed to the today's workforce, where where people are telecommuting and uh, and. Uh, uh, there's a real need to, to be engaged, and uh, 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 we sort of laugh, uh, uh, but it, it's, it's not really funny. Is that the? I mean, how are you going to stop having folks have their their eye, you know, checking in on their iPhones and their iPads to to see what's happening uh, right. in those in those hours where not uh, by the law, the way the, the law reads, that that those times uh, uh, you cannot uh, a non-exempt employee cannot be engaged. So it's uh, those are some of the concerns we have. Wow, that seems like a real uh, a real minefield of, of things that can uh, that can come in. It's uh, it it's kind of staggering. And again, it's such a huge um, thing to be rolled out in just one measure uh, on one date. And again, the charged political climate and the challenges of getting attention. How likely do you think it's going to be? to get the attention in this kind of short window that we have? Are, are we optimistic or is it a long shot? Well, I think that, uh, I think because it is bipartisan that we'll have a, we'll have a good audience. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I think that our members are, 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 are very engaged. And I think that that speaks to both the for-profit and, uh, you know, other sectors. I mean, this impacts education it impacts, the uh, you know, just, uh, transportation industries, uh, uh, lots of, uh, of, of folks are working on this. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little optimistic. <laughs> it's still hard to, in a, in a, in a presidential year to, and the timing of this is such that, uh, uh, 
that December 1st will come around very quickly, and really Congress won't be back uh, other than some administrative work uh, after the election until, until possibly a lame duck session would happen after December 1st. So those would be the, those are uh, considerations also. Sure, sure. Well, that's, uh, and and we'll come back around uh, a little bit later on maybe what people can do, but I, I wanted to um, look at a couple other areas that have been uh, being worked on by, by your efforts and by ASAE. And uh, another one that you're going to be updating on, uh, I know is important to a number of people in our industry, and that's a diversity and inclusion uh, issue that you guys have maybe just addressed in your uh, annual meeting. Yes, that's uh, that's exactly right. The, the, the board, ASA board of directors, uh, uh, voted on a, a couple of issues, uh, both a sort of a, a diversity, inclusion, advocacy, and a policy model that really looks at the you know these issues are are uh, we we've, we've seen them take place. Uh, that these issues, I mean, by the religious freedom laws that have taken place in Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, Georgia, uh, North Carolina, uh, interesting one in Tennessee. Uh, different ones in Missouri and Arkansas. Uh, you know, I think these issues have come up. Uh, they do. Uh, uh, they do have an impact on uh, on meetings, and uh, and I think our board uh, has looked at this from a number of different ways. But both there's a real need in uh, in uh, in our organizations for uh, diversity and inclusion, and and they also uh, address the issue of a, they, they they've put together a clause that uh, that. Uh, you know, it, it'll it's aspirational. It's an effort to have uh, meeting planners be able to work with the, uh, you know, the destinations uh, uh, to be, you know, if, if there, there's knowledge that something's going to happen and so forth that there uh, or or not, and it, usually it just comes up, is that uh, there would be a clause that uh, there would be a potential to uh, uh, to have a little uh, comfort knowing that. Uh, this would be a concern. Yeah, I, I, I know that it, it can be a real charged issue uh, for people. It can get very emotional and, and, and very personal. And, and one of the things that I always circle back to in my mind is that we are a hospitality industry at, at our core. And the idea is to hopefully make the people who are coming to our events be happy to be there and comfortable and, and feel welcome. And I know that it's challenging for an organization like yours to, to find a way to walk that line because, again, of the emotion behind some of it. So um, it's appreciated that there's a stance being taken, at least I'll say from myself, that, that you guys are taking a stance and still trying to make sure that everyone feels comforted and welcomed and included in it. That's exactly right. And I think that, John, you hit it right on the on the head that uh, that this is a this is a this is an ASAE uh, uh, board action. Not well, obviously, each of our members' organizations are going to have to make their own uh, decisions regarding their own members. But we just uh, felt that uh, uh, you know, obviously, uh, we've worked hard on uh, uh, increasing our diversity and uh, and making an inclusive uh, organization and. Uh, and, and frankly, when when uh, uh, when when we have a meeting, we want to have our members have a welcoming situation, like you said. And I I think that's what we're uh, that's what we're uh, uh, I think that's what the board uh, spoke up to. And uh, and uh, uh, you know, obviously, this is something our board has done. 
Uh, we know that, uh, uh, that, and we're going to see this is an, this issue is we're going to see other, uh, uh, you know, I think in the next uh, uh, next year we'll see other uh, issues like this. We know there's a lot of a uh, we know there's a lot of a uh, uh, you know we lo- we know that uh, there's going to be a lot of hearings and so forth. Uh, uh, judicial hearings and so forth, and, uh, and uh, uh, we just have, uh, I think our board has made a stand. And it's it's such a uh, such an interesting topic because it, at its core it gets very personal for people. Uh, so I know I know it's kind of tough to. Well, in, and in we're a not way, the only. I think it's yeah. I think that's important. I think that's right, but I think we're not the only ones that. Uh, I think that the uh, I think the NCA the. Uh, the NCA model on the final four is going to be a uh, is going to be a model that a number of organizations take a look at. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they're only they made a criteria. They're not going to go uh, to certain des- to dif- uh, certain destinations. And I think that model uh, that was one of the issues that really impacted the, the Indiana issue in uh, 2015 was the fact that the final four was uh, going to be held in Indianapolis uh, uh, right before that. Uh, legislation was uh, initially adopted so i think right. that uh, there'll be other groups that uh, uh, that weigh in on this i think that we're uh, 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 you know sports nba uh, uh, has weighed in on uh, on uh, charlotte and so forth so i think we're not gonna we're not uh, we're not uh, totally alone but uh, uh, it's uh, i think it's uh, you know it's just something that our board uh, felt like strong felt strongly about well that and and that I appreciate that they're doing that. Um, and it's it's great. Uh, you can also say that it's great that we have a system in place where we can have these discussions and we can have organizations kind of step up and make their feelings uh, feelings known in this way. And and I think that that's a, a positive at the end of the day. Uh, even looking at protests and things that are going on in in a really kind of a charged climate of the year. Um, well, that's right. And uh, and I think that again would. I think what our board did, it, it was not proposing, you know, we're not proposing a boycott or, I mean, we work closely with our industry partners and so forth. This was something that, uh, that was felt strongly about the, in terms of what, you know, what that board uh, felt was the right thing to do to be right. certain that our, our, uh, our members uh, felt welcome in the destinations that, uh, that we held meetings in. I think I think there's also a bit of a shift. I know I was just at WEC in Atlantic City, and um, it was right while we were there, the uh, shootings in Orlando happened. And um, there was a tremendous turnout and, and support and kind of public appreciation uh, of the uh, that community uh, at the receptions and such. So, you know, I think that ideas are, are changing and people are are working on making everyone feel welcome. And again, I, I always circle back to that. We're a hospitality industry. So hopefully in the end, we're making everybody feel welcome at our meetings. Well, and I think it, it, from ASAE standpoint that, uh, you know, we're, we strongly uh, uh, work on First Amendment uh, issues. Uh, obviously, associations are creatures of the tax code and so forth. So we work, we work closely on First Amendment uh, and we're not, we would not, uh, uh, be the first not to, to say that the folks should not have religious freedom. We just think the business component of the ability to have businesses that uh, uh, that that welcome 
everyone, that's an that's a that's an important right also. So it's a mm-hmm. you're right. It's a it's a it's a unique issue, but uh, but uh, one that uh, uh, that we feel again very comfortable that uh, uh, that we want not to have any uh, discrimination of our members. And there's there's one other area that I wanted to touch on uh, beyond those two, the the overtime and the diversity and inclusion. And, uh, and that's uh, federal employee attendance at events. I know we had kind of a cracking down at one point within the industry. There was some sort of bad press. And we've all, if you've been in the industry for any length of time, you've lived through a few of these sort of waves of things. But there were some restrictions on federal employee attendance at meetings, correct? Oh, that's correct. Uh, and and uh, uh, the events would have taken place in 2012. Uh, the, the issue really came to the forefront when the uh, when uh, uh, the GAO, the Government uh, Office of Accountability, uh, had a had a issue uh, where where some of their members, uh, uh, it was that famous uh, uh, picture of a uh, one of the employees in a hot tub in uh, in uh, Las Vegas <laughs> right. that really became the poster child for the uh, for the issue, and uh, and that was in 2013, and uh, Congress immediately passed the. Uh, Legislation. It was the. It's amazing what Congress can do in a hurry if they really uh, <laughs> feel that there's some outrage that they can uh, uh, get involved into. And, and and really from from our standpoint, and again, this would be from the from the association standpoint. Uh, there and, and the issue, the issue involved both the the meetings industry and and in our case associations. Uh, so we were all working together on this and. Uh, 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 I can I can safely say that we've had a lot of meetings over the last few years, and and there has been a sense that uh, that uh, uh, the government uh, by far has heard our uh, uh, concerns. Uh, Congress, as I said, we've uh, we had our fly in just this spring again on this. We've probably done this three years in a row uh, because it's such an important issue that, from our standpoint, to have. Uh, the key people in the room. I mean, uh, by that I mean we want to have our associations uh, have the sense that they can bring in government employees uh, uh, and have that dialogue. Uh, and we all know from the uh, from the from the meeting sense that uh, you can't Skype uh, uh, those type of sessions, and it's as much of what happens in the hallways and so forth. So that uh, I think that the uh, Congress uh, stopped uh, putting uh, together uh, bad legislation. Uh, we haven't seen any uh, sense of that in the, in the at least in, the, in about a year and a half uh, the, since the beginning of this Congress. And uh, and uh, OMB, the Office of Management Budget, uh, has indicated that the, they're ready to uh, to uh, to uh, change their protocol. We'll have to wait and see what that uh, entails, but. Uh, we do know that a lot of the uh, agencies have, uh, have, uh, uh, you know, we were once dealing with total bans, and now we know that there's been an increase of, uh, of getting the uh, attendance to our uh, to the meetings that uh, need to be uh, attended. It's yeah, it, it's interesting how there can be the the sort of reaction and overreaction to to things. I know during the economic crisis, I worked with uh, some financial associations, and you know there was a lot of criticism over meeting in resorts and those yep. types of things. Exactly. And, That's this one really had a uh, 
this one really had some implications uh, that uh, that there there just wasn't the the understanding of what they had. For example, in the initial legislation, they basically said that uh, that uh, uh, in terms of federal employees attending uh, uh, attending uh, in, in our case association meetings, is that they would be limited to one. Uh, you know, it would one agency would be limited to one association meeting a, a year, hmm. and and uh, we know that in a number of cases that there's always that dialogue and the need to to have meetings, and that we uh, we had gotten it down to the fact that if uh, if one uh, one employee of, of the thousands that are a part of the Department of Commerce took a cab uh, to a hotel here in uh, Washington to, to attend a meeting. That would that would account for that one meeting a year, and uh, they all knew that that was silly. But that's what the legislation said. Right, right. Sort of an unintended uh, consequence. Perfect line. Unintended consequence. Um, well, and boy, these are just huge topics. We could probably talk for hours on each one of them because there's uh, tremendous legal and and monetary ramifications, and, and you know, associations are already working in the economy that we have to retain their memberships and keep people there. And, and so first off, it's very appreciated the work that you're doing on behalf of the industry there and giving us a voice and making sure that these things are discussed at the Hill and different places in Washington where they need to be. But if a person wants to personally do something, um, how do they get involved? What do you suggest that a meeting planner or a supplier does? I think that, uh, uh, you know, the, I'll jump back to the, uh, the federal employee and uh, meetings is, issue is that, uh, is the, is that the, the meetings folks did an incredible job bringing the importance of this issue up. Uh, there were so many groups that were working together. Uh, we all were. Uh, U.S. Travel, uh, uh, Hotel and Lodging, uh, all the groups were working really hard on this issue. And I uh, and and, uh, and and I think that's the case. So I think that we have a history that folks know how to to get engaged. Uh, I think that uh, I, I think on the on the on the overtime rule, uh, if if organizations are concerned about this, this is the time, uh, and the time would be to uh, uh, to let their members of Congress know that uh, that uh, Congressman Schrader has a, a piece of a bipartisan piece of legislation that would. Uh, that would be a, a of a real a, a real importance uh, leading before we uh, we uh, see this December first date uh, take place. So that would probably be of of the things we've talked about. That's probably the one with the most urgency. Where uh, if if people can uh, reach out to their uh, congressman, it would be a useful thing to just make the issue uh, be on their radar. And I think that you know from the from the uh, uh, from the you know, many of their organizations are working on it. If they're, if they're, uh, uh, if they're uh, separate entities, uh, I would, uh, I would see who their clients are and see if they're concerned about it and so forth. Uh, uh, it just is a, it's a big issue. It's gonna, it's, uh, uh, it's gonna put, uh, it's going to have an impact on the, on the budgets of a lot of organizations. Now, uh, ASE has something called the power of A. And um, I was looking at the website a little bit about that, but I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that and how that might affect people or what they could do I'm, with that. I'm always happy, John, to talk about the power of A because I think that this is a, 
this is something uh, that, that's really, really important, and it fits into uh, you know to the efforts to, that we uh, that we can speak as a as a voice. Uh, you know, our collective voices will mean something. Uh, the, the power of a uh, you mentioned the uh, the impact of uh, uh, of the of the economic crisis in two thousand. This is where this the power of a uh, came into being as the as the uh, as the new Obama legis- uh, administration was uh, uh, was just getting uh, formed and so forth. Uh, our board of directors determined that we needed a, 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 a you know sort of a brand that wasn't an ASAE brand, but was a was an industry brand, uh, and that's how the Power of A uh, came about. Uh, so it's really a uh, it's really meant to be a. Uh, a brand for uh, all our all our members and organizations to to speak up and uh, and uh, and have a, a sense of that we're part of a of a uh, you know we're part of a, something bigger that it's not just our own individual uh, organizations but when you think about the when you think about the association community at the uh, uh, you know it's uh, you're you're part of something uh, uh, bigger than just yourself or your own organization that you're part of uh, something uh, uh, that's both uh, nationally uh, and globally uh, important so that uh, we we work hard it has an awards component to it our uh, in a couple months we'll have our uh, uh, our summit awards dinner uh, where we uh, where we honor the six top winners of the, of the Pyre of a awards uh, that uh, there's many other uh, uh, designations uh, gold the uh, silver and so forth but uh, uh so it's an awards component uh, and it also gives us a platform to speak on behalf of advocacy and uh, and uh, and all the other things the research and standards and so forth that uh, associations uh, uh, are always involved in it uh, every day I will uh, I will make sure that within the uh, post that contains this podcast I'll uh, I'll put a link to that website so people can go there and uh, find out more information about uh, the power of A and and what they can do there and uh, also encourage people to uh, reach out to their uh, congressional representatives about the overtime bill and if folks want to talk to you you're going to be in Baltimore doing the session on uh, on these topics yes so Before- we look yeah, we look forward to uh, meeting you in person and having a chance to uh, to talk more about this. Thank you very much for uh, taking time to be with us today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. All right, and thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, until next time, uh, have a great day. This has been the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast, your podcast source for news and discussions of the meetings and events industry. You can find out more about Strategic Meeting Tech at our website, www.strategicmeetingtech.com. There you'll find resources and information about how we help planners to create better audiovisual and technology outcomes at their events. Our music is provided by Steph Sachs, under license from the Creative Commons, and you can find out more information and links to the artists there on our website as well. Please send any comments or show suggestions to John, J-O-M, at strategicmeetingtech.com. Thanks for listening.